that I had been touched from God. Amen. But you know the first thing I did? I was so exhausted. See, I prayed until I exhausted myself. Have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed and it was a labor and, and when you got through praying, you couldn't even get up off the floor. You just had to lay there for a few minutes. That's what that kind of prayer that was. And I remember I laid there, just slouched over the couch, just, oh, 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 kind of like Sister Lisa breathing. But when I finally got enough strength up, I didn't jump up and hoot and holler and say, thank you, Jesus. You know what I did? I began to repent. <laughs> I began to repent because I'd realized right at that moment that I'd been way too hard on people, Justin, that had come to me scared, that had come to me depressed, that had come to me with anxiety and, and, and a sickness in them. And I was too hard. I'd say, well, you just need to read the Scripture. You need to stand on the Word. You need to believe. Don't out and just dismiss them with that word and I begin to repent and I begin to say oh God it's real these demons are real it ain't just a discipline it ain't just a discipline it's a demon and some people need help combating that demon and I begin to pray and ask God to forgive me of all the hardness that I'd showed to people true repentance is changing True repentance is turning. True repentance is enlightening. Come on, somebody. One more scripture. It's going to be Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died. <laughs> and so you have to know a little bit of the history here. I know I'm talking to Bible readers and Bible studiers. But Isaiah loved Uzziah. <laughs> he was a good king. And he followed him. And he loved him. And then all of a sudden, this good king, and anybody who knows anything about Israel and Bible history, you had one good king, you was going to have a couple of bad, evil kings. Right after. Right after. And I can see Isaiah saying, why? Why? He was so good. He was so righteous. And he just kind of got downhearted. And he kind of got into this little bit of despair. And it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high, and lifted up. That's your first cue right there. <laughs> That's your first cue right there that something good's just about to happen. Something good just about to happen. Because God didn't come down to Isaiah like he had some of the others. He manifested himself high and lifted up. You know what that tells me? Isaiah had to look up to see him. Isaiah had to elevate himself to beholding. Amen. He had to have something change inside of him. Because let me tell you what Isaiah was doing. This. He was downcast. You know what the word downcast means? Your eyes are looking down. You're defeated. You're discouraged. You are downcast. Your, your whole countenance, you're, you're in a depression. Come on. You're downcast. But God said, I'm going to reveal myself to you up here, Isaiah. <laughs> I'm going to reveal myself to you up here. And you've got to pick your head up. You've got to lift your eyes up. You've got to behold me up here. Hallelujah. Something's got to change. You can't see me like this. Something's got to change. Hallelujah. He saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And I mean, we could go into this and study this step by step, but I'm not going to because that's not my point. 
verse 2 says, Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is Uzziah. Isaiah's hope for Israel had just died. In other words, something bad had just happened in Isaiah's life. Something terrible. Something horrific had just happened in Isaiah's life. That brought his whole world crumbling down. Brought everything that he had trusted in and hoped in suddenly was crumbled and he was downcast. But God revealed himself right here in Mount Isaiah. Right here. Enlightened him. He looks up and he beholds the Lord high and lifted up. He could only see him in a spiritual realm. You can only see God in a spiritual realm. Jesus is the only flesh of God. And Jesus had not walked on the earth yet. He had not obtained that flesh body. So he had to be seeing him. He had to be witnessing him in the spirit. You know what that means? Enlightenment. Enlightenment. And you know what he told him? He said, the whole earth is filled with my glory. Uzziah's gone, but I'm still alive. Hallelujah. Uzziah was, wasn't your hope. Uzziah was just a pawn. He was just a piece. We're just pieces, amen. But Uzziah filled his purpose, amen. Are we, are we filling our purpose? Amen. You know, I can't say for sure, Sister Lisa, but Uzziah's whole purpose might have been to die, to help Isaiah. Oh, God wouldn't do that. Sure he will. Sure he will. <laughs> Ask Isaac. Ask Isaac, who laid on the altar, <laughs> bound. Ask Isaac, who was going up the hill, and he said, uh, Daddy, <laughs> I see the wood. I see the fire. I even see the knife. I don't see the sacrifice. <laughs> don't you imagine what went through his mind walking up that hill to that altar? I'm the only one here. <laughs> yes, sometimes God will ask us. Ask Jesus if God will ask you for your life. Ask Cassie Burnell. Y'all know that name? She was the girl in Columbine that hid under the table in the library when that gunman walked to her and her friend with a shotgun and leaned down and pointed it right in her, between her eyes and said, if you'll deny God right now, I'll spare your life. And she just got saved. And she said, I cannot deny God. Even though she had saw him already kill students in that library, knowing that he would more than likely kill her, she said, I cannot deny him. And he shot her. Cassie Burnell. I wrote that name down in my Bible. She's a martyr. A modern day martyr. <laughs> She's before the throne of God. <laughs> That's right. And her friend lived to tell the story on the news. <laughs> yes. 
God will ask us some hard things. But He always gives us a promise. And I'm going to close with this. What is God asking us to do? What is God asking us to do? Right now, there's not a one of us huddled under a table with a gunman running rampant. Right now, we're all safe and secure inside this little church house hearing a word that I hope is not too hard. I don't mean to be hard. I do not mean to be offensive. Sometimes the word is offensive, but I don't mean to be offensive. I love everybody. I would do anything for any one of you guys. And if you knew me, <laughs> ain't that right, Carrie? You know that I'm telling the truth. Give my money away to help people. Loan my vehicle out. Give you my clothes. I mean, you know, we can go on and on, and I'm sure every one of y'all would do the same thing because we're charitable. We've been taught to be charitable. And we have the love of God inside of us. But right now in the safety and security of this church building. And, and you know, let's just make it personal. Let's just close our eyes for a minute and not look around at each other. But what is God asking you to do for Him? He asked Cassie Burnell to testify, even though it meant her life. He's not asking us to do that this morning, but He's asking every one of us to do something. He's asking every one of us to be a witness and to be a light. Because if you're His disciples, He's asking something of you. Amen. He's asking something of us. Right now He's asking us, will you be a student of the Word? Every week when you come to this church, will you not just come to do Brother Matter a service? Or will you not just come to pay a tithe and sit on a pew and punch a time clock in heaven? But will you be my student? Will you sit at my feet? Will you absolutely desire to learn from me? And then once you learn from me, don't be afraid, my children, to go out and perform the works of God. He's needing us to bring this kingdom to life. He's needing us to go out and work the works of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Not in the name of Susie. Not in the name of the little Jesus church. Amen. We don't have to be ashamed of who we are. And we don't have to be ashamed of this little church. But He's asking us to go out in Jesus' name and proclaim the kingdom. What is He asking you to do this morning? And will we do it? Will we do it? He asked us last week to just go out and witness. From the pulpit, God asked us last week to go out and witness to just one person, to remember one person that was here that's not here today. We can still do that. The Word of God does not expire. You ever notice that about God? That whenever He gives us a word, it's still good 10 years from now, and we can still take that same word we heard 10 years ago and apply it to our life today. The Word of God has no expiration date. So if you missed it last week and you just simply forgot, make it up this week. Talk to somebody. Invite somebody. Encourage somebody in Jesus' name. Amen as we bring our pastor on. You clap off. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. I'm excited about what God's doing. I tell you, I had two great, great services this week. One in Fort Payne, the other down in Jasper, Alabama. But Wednesday afternoon, about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Central Time, the Word of the Lord came to me. And that's what I'm going to minister on today. When God speaks to me, now God is all the time talking to me in the Word because I'm talking to Him. God's all the time will inspire me to preach something. But when the Word of the Lord comes to me, it's completely different than God just inspiring my heart in the Word. I heard the voice of the Lord speak right here in an audible voice. And God don't do me that way a lot, but when He does, it's powerful. And this Word's going to be powerful today. And they're just, we, we are right on the threshold of a visitation of the Spirit of God. And I've never had God unfold the Word. I was in the office at Fort Payne. I was praying and studying. And man, when God spoke to me, the book of Joel just started unfolding and opening up to me like I ain't never seen in all the years that I've, I've ministered the Word. So I want you to go with me to the book of Joel, the second chapter. And that's where I'm going to start. I don't know how much of this I'm going to get to because, you know, I put so much Scripture in these notes every week. There ain't no way for me to get to it all. Not unless y'all won't be here all day. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, there's going to come a time people ain't going to care how long they're in church. Did you know there was a time, and it might have been Josiah, I can't remember, but they hadn't heard the law in so long. When they found the book of the law, the people stood all day long, and they read the law, and the people wept. They just wept because of the Word of God that was being read. And they stood. They didn't care. You're not going to care. Oh. A young lady that got saved in my meeting when she was 15 years old over in Sheffield, Alabama. Some of y'all know Sister LaDana. Uh, well, her daughter now is about the same age that she was when she got saved. And she went to church camp. And uh, LaDana texted me the other day and said, I prayed all week long. For God to give my daughter an encounter with God. And she said, my daughter just come back home. Said, first thing she said when she come in, said, Mama, that preacher done some brother John preaching and praying. He said he called us to the altar and said we were in the altar for three hours. And she said, when I got up, she said, I thought it was five minutes. There's, whoa, there's something moving in the Spirit of God. There's a visitation for these young people. I told you about that tent revival up there uh, in Burlington, North Carolina. That man ain't preaching nothing but salvation and preaching against sin. And they're having, I don't know how many saved every night. But as far as I know, it's still going on. And this is probably ten weeks Five or four or five weeks in the church. No, four weeks in the church. Started out with about 5,000 young people. And now they're under a tent going in probably 
five, six weeks under the tent, and I heard reports people are driving four and five and six hours every night and getting saved. Getting genuine, hitting the altars and praying and crying and weeping. Hallelujah. They ain't preaching no deep word. They ain't telling them they got to do this or do that. They just telling them, repent. Come to God. Give your life to Him. Repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ into your heart. I'm going to tell you, God keeps moving like that. Somewhere the Spirit of God's going to begin to be poured out. Somewhere God is going to begin to baptize them young people. Ain't nobody going to have to lay hands on them. Ain't nobody going to have to get them in all this. I'm sorry. I, I, I am sour on Pentecost in a lot of ways because the way they've indoctrinated things, indoctrinated things and, and tried to make it a religion and ain't nothing but doctrines of men. I'm going to tell you, I got to thinking the other day. I said, now there Philip was, went down to the city of Samaria. I can just see Philip seeing all the acts of God at Jerusalem, seeing Peter shadow heal the sick, seeing uh, Peter and John go down to the temple and yank the lame men up on his feet. I can just see all these things happening. And Philip just said, well, I can't take this no more. He just went and got him a set of scrolls because they didn't have a New Testament back then. They had to preach out the laws and the prophets. Are y'all hearing me? They didn't have a written Bible. All they had was the law and the prophets. So Philip went down the law and, uh, to Samaria and stood up and preached Christ unto them. Now you, <coughs> you just stop and think about this. He preached Christ unto them. The whole city turned out. Great miracles happened. Demons cried with loud voices came out of them. Y'all think this happened in five minutes? Y'all think this happened in a couple of days? He could have been there two or three months in revival. And the whole city come out and the Bible said the whole city uh, was filled with joy. Uh, joy because of the gospel. Uh, it's time for a gospel to be preached that's uh, going to restore joy. Uh, David uh, messed himself up and he prayed uh, and he said, Lord, uh, forgive me. Uh, hallelujah. Created me uh, a clean heart uh, and renew a right spirit within me. Uh, cast me not out of thy presence. Uh, take me not the Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Where's the joy? Where's the joy? People's lost their joy. I've got, I've got saved people out of joy. I've got a joy. That's the reason David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house. There was a joy there. A joy to want to serve God. A joy to want to please God. Now it's like you can't drive people to the house of God. That's all right. People fixing to come, they fix to come willingly. I'm telling you, the hunger is coming. I'm telling you, the hunger is coming. You don't know why these chairs are put in different positions? I'm trying to see how many more seats we can add in here. Because I'm telling you, people fixing to come. People fixing to come, they fixing to come, they fixing to come, they fixing to come, they're going to come with a hunger. I text Sister Angela Abraham this morning, when God spoke to me and what I'm fixing to preach to y'all, I texted her these notes, and I told her, I said, people fixing to come to God like they did when you got out of jail. You was hungry, you was thirsty, you was wanting something in God. Where's the people, I'm tired of trying to go out and preach 
preach to people that know everything that you can't tell them nothing God spoke to me the other morning real early and said spiritually dysfunctional that's <laughs> what the Lord told me and you know what I begin to see church folks church folks some of them been serving God for years and God said they are spiritually dysfunctional and he said it's a religious spirit you can't teach them they won't grow they won't change they won't enter into nothing new they're spiritually dysfunctional you know we got so many people in this nation that are naturally dysfunctional I mean families are dysfunctional now well, God told me, he said, there's people in the church family, they're just plain old dysfunctional. They don't, they don't fit. They can't flow with nothing. They can't. Because when you got somebody going to do things their way, and think they know it all, you can't counsel them, you can't talk to them, you can't preach to them, you can't prophesy to them, you can't minister to them, because they ain't going to change. That's what God told me. He said it's a religious spirit in the church. And he said the church pretty much as a whole has become spiritually dysfunctional. You can say amen or old me, but I know what God showed me and I know what God told me. If I can get this word out today like I got it out Wednesday night in Fort Payne and Thursday night in Jasper, Alabama, we're going to have a good time in the Lord and we're going to get something. Hallelujah. Because there's an excitement in me. I mean, man, there's something turning over inside of me like a wheel in the middle of a wheel. <laughs> Woo! Are y'all with me from Joel, the second chapter? 21st verse. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. Now, this is the scripture I want to deal with. Right there. I have ministered I don't know how many times on the first month. And that first month there is our April. So it's our spring. And in spring is when things become new. Y'all know if you go through the winter, you go through the cold, you go through the deadness, you go through the dryness, then spring the sap begins to rise. It begins to warm up. Things begin to change. Well, my son had been talking to me just a little bit a couple of weeks ago, and he said, Daddy, he said, God began to deal with me about the first month. He said, he hadn't really showed me what he wants to show me. He said, but he started dealing He said, there's something there. So I was praying the other morning at the house, and I told my wife, the Lord spoke to me about the first month. I said, it's not the literal first month, which I preached and I felt like, you know, at the knowledge I had that it was the literal first month that we was going to have a move of God in the spring. I've heard it preached. Y'all have heard it preached. But the Lord said, 
It's not the literal first month. He said the first month is the beginning of something new. It's not the literal first month. It's after the deadness, after the dryness, after what you've been through. And I was sitting there in the chair in Fort Payne studying. And I heard the voice of the Lord, Sister Pat, speak right here. A new beginning. A new beginning. He said, this is, I'm bringing things to an end. I, I brought the church to a standstill. I said she's in her deadness. I, she's a drive. She has no life. I, she has no unction to seek me. I said she's gone into flesh. I, she, everything in it I, is to promote flesh and entertain. I, and he said, now, I, he said, I am bringing I, a new I, beginning. Heard it right here. You're like something echoed in my chest. I do begin. And man, when it did, something illuminated me. I got excited. The word of the Lord run all over me. And I text my son. I text Brother Michael. Uh, I text a couple other people and told them. I said, God just spoke to me a new beginning. Hallelujah. Now I want to show you what God showed me. Go to Joel, the first chapter. And I'm going to the first verse. Read to about the fifth verse. The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pithuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath it been in your days, or even in the days of your father? Tell ye your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. See, it wasn't for Joel's day. He said, pass it. This for our day. This is for our day. Now look what he went on and said. That which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. That which the locust hath eaten, hath the canker worm eaten. That which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Now look here, verse 5. Awake ye drunkards and weep and howl all ye drinkers of wine because of the new wine. For it is cut off from your mouth. I have preached and ministered here and I don't know how many of you remember it but I preached on the dispensations of the rains how many of y'all remember that I broke it down the rain the former rain and the latter rain and I've tried to tell people even preaching in Fort Payne the other night I had some old religious spirit buck up on me I said if you wasn't in the days of the outpouring on the day of Pentecost and that dispensation you did not get what they got at Pentecost. Boy, I feel just bow up because people have been told all their life you got what they got on the day of Pentecost. Man, I felt that spirit bow up. I said, all right, you got the power. You got what they got. Where's the man walking the street in his shadow healing the sick? Where's the men of God that are yanking the lame and they're getting on their feet? Where are those that are walking in where a dead body like Tabitha's laid out? Where are those that are going preaching and turning whole cities upside down? down like Philip did in Samaria. I said, we ain't got it. We never did get it. It never did manifest. I said, all we've had is the rain. That's all we've had. And God's been good to us to do that. I've had miracles. I've had blind eyes, deaf ears, dumb tongues, crooked limbs, short legs, 
People dying with cancers. Why, what was it, a month ago was in a Daresville, Brother Pope. Lady there got bit by a spider, hadn't heard her spoke in 30 years. And I prayed for the Spirit of God, like knocked her off feet, and instantly she'd start hearing in one ear. I mean, just like that, just started hearing. Another lady there said, I was in your meeting in 1990. Said, you prayed for a short leg, and it grew. Now my knees messed up. I want you to pray for me. Another lady there had degenerating disc in the back of her neck. And I set her down. One leg was short and the other. I had Sister Deborah hold her feet up. And when I spoke the word of God to her, Sister Deborah said the anointing was so strong, but knocked her in the dirt. But that leg grew out there even. So I've had miracles. I've had deliverance. I, I've had God move and do different things. I, I've seen some good revivals. I, but I never have received I, that former reign of the Holy Ghost that fell I, on that day of Pentecost. I, but here God is saying, I, I'm bringing you into a new beginning. I, you look a here. I, and the Lord began to show me. I, he said just about the time I, the dispensation of the former reign was over, I, he said, he said the palmer worm came in and started nibbling he said he nibbled through that dispensation and he said after the palmer worm nibbled away he said that was the palmer worm that left the locust come in and then the caterpillar and he went on down through the generations he said until we've come right now and they've eaten everything up everything is dead everything's spiritually dead he said everything's come to an end uh, he said and now uh, he said I am going to do great things hallelujah if you're not old land rejoice and be glad for the Lord to do great things what did he say awake and howl you drinkers of wine for the new wine what we're waiting on the new wine is cut off from your mouth. Why is it cut off? Because everything's dead. Everything's gone to form. Everything's gone to doctrines. Everything's gone to traditions. Right now, preachers don't know what to do. They're throwing everything at people plus the kitchen sink. And ain't nothing working. They can't move people. Can't heal people. Can't deliver people. Can't stir people. There's no burden to pray. You got churches now that they've put lights and sound effects on their platform. Everything, they have a drama, they have a play, have sound effects, lights. Everything's an entertainment. Everything's like a Hollywood production. And people are leaving excited in their flesh and bound in their spirit. Hallelujah. And God went on and spoke in his word. You go over to the, the ninth chapter of Joel 1. He said the meat offering, which is the word of God, and the drink offering has been what? Cut off. My God, 99% of the churches, there is no meat nor drink. When you get in a famine, everybody doesn't die. But a lot of people will because there's no meat nor drink. There's not enough to go around. God told me many, many, many people have died spiritually because he said, I've cut off the meat offering and the drink offering from the house of God. I've cut it off. I've cut it off. Are y'all hanging with me? The meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of your God. And the people 
the Lord's ministers mourn. Any preacher right now, any, I ain't going to call them, any minister worth his salt knows something's wrong. Any minister that cares about his people, they know they're empty, they know they're dry, they know something's wrong, and they're just going through tradition, going through doctrine, singing and shouting and talking in tongues and getting this and the singing, that and the sing, and trying to stir the people and move the people. But it's what I saw several months back. God took me into a vision, and I saw a fog around people. Y'all remember that? I saw a darkness and God said darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness of people right now people don't see what's going on in the earth they don't see what's happening they can't see the tribulation and persecution and hell this nation's fixing to go into and preachers can't tell them because they can't see it they can't see it people still telling people they fix to get raptured out Y'all excuse me. That's all right. Go ahead. Go ahead and believe it. Go ahead and look for it. What you going to do when it don't happen? Y'all think all them people overseas that are getting their heads cut off? I told y'all last week about the persecution. The persecution in the Word of God for the disciples and the apostles was getting their heads cut off, getting beat with rods, getting stoned, getting whipped. What's the punishment under Sharia law? Beat with rods, whipped, stoned, having their heads cut off. See, up to five or six years ago, nobody thought that could happen in modern times. Now the administration we got in office, you can say what you want to, that man has laid the groundwork. He is a puppet, and he has been placed in office to get this nation ready for the Muslim Sharia law to move in. I saw him right after he got elected, and it was like he was a puppet on strings. Y'all know how they work them puppets? And I saw him bouncing up and down, and I told my wife, I said, that man a puppet. He got put in office by higher powers and they're going to work him and use him for their purpose. And they are trying everywhere now to get this Sharia law put into place. And if they do, you the Christians, the infidels, will pay the price. They will beat you. They will stone you. They will cut your head off. They will, they will beat you with rods. They will whip you. They will cast your name out as evil. What is it? It's the persecution that's going to bring the sufferings of Christ, which is going to bring us in to the sons of God ministry. This tribulation is the sufferings of Christ. The Lord told me it was. And that's when you really suffer with him, Peter said, you must suffer a while. He said, after you suffered a while, the Lord will settle you strengthen you, establish you, and perfect you. He will bring you to maturity. When you come to that maturity, the fullness of God. The Lord spoke to me on September the 23rd last year. He said, when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part will be done away with. We've known in part, we've prophesied in part, we've understood in part, we've seen in part. He said, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part is done away with. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that which is perfect has come. I'm bringing the knowledge and the wisdom and the understanding in to bring my people into perfection 
perfection, uh, completeness and maturity. Uh, he said it's going to start happening. Uh, you know what's going to cause us to go into maturity? Uh, hardness, persecution, uh, afflictions. Why? It's going to put us on our knees uh, and we're going to seek the face of God. Uh, you go ahead and think you're getting caught out. Uh, them people overseas ain't getting caught out. You think you better Christians than they are? Ooh, getting quiet in here. You think you love God more than they do? God ain't going to just catch America out and let the rest of the world go through tribulation. Well, Brother Matter, it's the Jews. Well, it ain't the Jews getting their heads cut off. It ain't the Jews being stoned and beat. It ain't the Jews having their churches burned. It's the Christians. Pastors are being killed. Their wives are being raped. Their children are being slaughtered in front of them. Their churches are being burned to the ground. And, and we think over here ain't nothing going to come to us. This thing is in America. The spirit of it's here. You hear me? They've got this thing planned. They've got it plotted. I, I don't know when they're going to try to implement it. But God told me that through prayer he would send a visitation of the Holy Ghost if we would get in this church and pray. And I have been getting in here and praying. I hadn't been here this week because I've been on the road. But when I was here, I was praying. I've been here for the last week and a half before this. In here praying, studying, believing and searching and seeking uh, fighting uh, for something to be put in God's people because uh, we do not have what it takes uh, to face what's coming we don't have it we don't have it are y'all with me and he goes on in verse 10 he said the field's wasted what's the field the world the world Jesus said, don't tell me yet four months and then comes the harvest. The harvest is what? Ripe. How many people your age you know need God? Bunches of them. Bound, drug addicts, alcoholics, depressed, discouraged. Y'all know 25% of this nation's on antidepressants? 25%. There's over 300 million people in this country. So half of that would be 150 million and half of that would be 75 million if I've got my math right. So 70-something million people on antidepressants. 70-something million, 25% of our nation is on antidepressants. You know why? They've taken God away from us. You see the lawless in our streets right now? Just before I walked to the pulpit, they had another police shooting in Baton Rouge. Two more officers killed. People wounded. What's happening? Lawlessness. Because we've got a president and administration that has glorified homosexuality. Set up the lesbians, the set up all kind of ungodliness uh, fought for the Muslims uh, and Christians have been persecuted uh, laws for Christianity have been driven back uh, are you listening to me uh, Jesus or the word of God plainly says in uh, I think it's Psalms uh, the wicked shall be turned into hell uh, and all nations that forget God uh, hell is coming to America hell's fixing to be coast to coast uh, and border to border in this country and all over the world uh, why they've rejected God they have rejected the creator and they've turned to the creature and served the creature more than the creator all this transgender mess all these laws my 
God, where's the men and women of God? Somebody wake up the mighty men. Somebody wake up the men of faith. Somebody wake up the vessels of honor and truth and have them lift up their voice like a trumpet and cry aloud. Show Israel their sin and Jacob his transgression. Wake up! God's trying to get our attention so he can do something new. But we ain't going to just sit down and have God do this. We ain't going to do it, church. He said the field's wasted. There ain't no revivals that's doing anything. That revival up in North Carolina's first revival I've heard doing anything in years and years and years and years. A friend of mine called me the other day talking to me about a, a guy started a halfway house for drug addicts over in Tupelo. And he said he'll take them and rehab them, then put them out to work on a job, take 25% to pay for their room and board, and take another 25% and put it back so when they get ready to go out in the world, they got money. And he said a revival's broke out among them. And he said, they, uh, he said I'm fixing to go down there and preach. He said, I'm just a simple preacher. He said, I'm going to go down there and preach salvation to him. I said, we make the gospel too complicated. The Bible said the gospel is a simple gospel. My God, we put all these rules on people. I told them you can't do this, you can't do that. Let me tell you something. You get the true spirit of Christ in you, you won't quit the world. The world will quit you. When I got saved, the world quit me, Sister Pat. Everything in the world quit me. I didn't have to quit anything. It left me wide. Because there's something crying out in me to pray and to fast and to seek God and to study the Word. And the Bible says, I think it's in John 16, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will reprove the world of sin. We need a sin-killing Holy Ghost. We need a reproving of the Spirit of truth. Not this stuff that people are claiming to get now because there ain't no reproof of sin. It's a false Holy Ghost. Woo! People didn't like that. When the Holy Ghost don't do what the Word says it'll do, it's false spirit. Okay, how many tongues you talk in? And here, Joe is saying, the field's wasted. The field is wasted, the land mourneth. For the corn is wasted, the new wine is dried up, and the oil languishes. The new wine which is the Spirit and the oil is the anointing. He said it languishes. It ain't there. It ain't there. The new wine ain't there. You can't get some. It ain't there. You can't get anointed when the oil ain't there. Are y'all hearing me? Yes. People are going by tradition. They're going by doctrines. They're going through habits. They're going through forms. It ain't producing nothing. Be ashamed, O ye husbandmen. How, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. Souls are going to hell. People are dying and ain't nobody there. Where's the laborers to pull them out? Where's the laborers to pull them out? I'm going to tell you something. God's fixing to raise up some true evangelists. He's fixing to set this church in order. Somebody was talking to me the other night. He's an evangelist. He's out there trying to have revival. And he said, I can't have revival. He said, because every time I call a, a, a pastor, he said, another pastor's in there preaching. And I said, hmm. 
I've had that problem. He said, I told a minister the other day, he pastors a church and, and he's on the road all the time evangelizing, evangelizing. He'd go back home to, to, to preach maybe one night a week. I said, yeah. I said, and the devil will tear a church up like that too. Your people will never grow because you ain't there to shepherd them. You ain't there to teach them. Let me tell you something. We've got this thing all wrong about evangelism. When Philip went down to Samaria, there ain't no telling how long he stayed there. Y'all hear me? Ain't no telling how long he stayed there. Ain't no telling how long it took to break that revival out in the whole city. He could have been there weeks. He could have been there months. He could have been there a year. We don't know how long he's there. But it shook the whole city. Man, we, 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 we evangelists, we say, well, I'm going to go preach a three-day revival. I said, hmm. What's happened to the church? They ain't got no more burden than to have somebody come in three days. I, I had somebody call me uh, call me some, when I was evangelizing. I said, she won't, we want you to come in for three days. I said, I ain't coming. So why not? I, I said, it takes me four or five days to make the devil good and mad. I, it takes me another two or three days to get people prepared to receive I, the real word. I, I said, if I'm coming, I'm coming for a week or ten days or I ain't coming. I, they said, well, I, we'll pray about it. Some of them I heard back from, some of them I didn't. I, I've been trying to tell these preachers how to have tent revivals. I, these preachers go out here, they'll put up a tent for four or five days. I, I said, man, I, I said, dig down and hunker in. I don't have no three or four day meeting. I, I said it takes a week ten days for people to know you in town. I, takes a week ten days I, to stir the devil up. I, takes that long to drive religious spirits off of people I, and get them hungry for a move of God. I, I said the first week or ten days you're getting ready. I, the next week or ten days you can have revival. I, I said go to stay. I, stay two weeks, three weeks. I, I never had a revival that I know of that didn't last at least 16 days and most of them 21 plus why if I'm going to go there put out the money, the blood, the sweat the tears, the labor, the prayer the fasting, the seeking God I was coming away with something I was coming away with something I wouldn't go out there and just put it to them and say well I'll put a tent up, what good for you you got any spoils <laughs> Children of Israel went to battle. They whipped the enemy and come back with spoils. When I went to battle, I come away with spoils. I whipped the enemy. People got saved. They got delivered. They got healed. You get to talking people. Been in my early ten revivals. They'll tell you the word of God and brother met her and the anointing in his life changed my life. I mean, turned me around, brought me off the path of sin, brought me into a hunger for God, brought me into a desire to serve God. I, I, I remember one lady come to my meeting over I, I, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. She had a big old knot in her throat. She had a big cancer up there. I, and I, I said, you believe God will heal you? She said, that's why I'm here. God told me to come out here. said, he's going to heal me. I, I said, God told you he's going to heal you? She said, yes, sir. I, that's what God told me. I laid my hand on that knot started praying Sister Pat I, and I said lady when I 
tell you to you swallow and I got that prayer going man I felt faith hit me I said swallow she swallowed that whole knot she swallowed that cancer it went down then she turned around and throwed it up and that cancer laying there on the ground I looked at her and that skin hanging loose on that throat I said not gone she said not gone and turned around and throwed that thing up in the sawdust my God but it takes prayer it takes fasting it takes getting in there and driving the devil back the harvest is ripe but the labors are few you know why they're few the caterpillar the palmer worm the locust the caker worm it is eat up everything everybody ever had and it's brought us to right now it's what God told me from the time the latter rain began to fade out to I mean the former rain to right now he said it's eat it all up you know what's eating up? Doctrine and traditions of man. Religious forms. That's your caterpillar. That's your canker worm. That's your palm worm. That's your locust. But God said, I've done it. God said, that's my army. I sent them among you. I let them eat it up to see if you're going to stand for truth. I let them eat it up to see if you're going to fight for the faith. And now here we are. Harvest is ripe. Where's your labors? Where's anybody anointed? Where's anybody gifted? Where's anybody with a burden? Where are they at? He said the field's wasted. The harvest, the barley, everything, the wheat, everything's dried up. Are y'all not reading the same Bible I'm reading? And then he said, you ministers, you husbandmen, you pastors supposed to be tending the vine. You better get in your pulpits. You better get in your altars and cry out. You need to be ashamed. You need to be ashamed. Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but over there in the fourth chapter of Acts, they beat them, they persecuted them, they went back to their group, and they sewed their hands up and praised God that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. But they said, look what's going on. Said, why do the heathen rage? And people imagine vain things. For the kings of the whole earth have stood up against the Christ and against his anointed. By God, the whole world right now is standing up against Christianity. And they're saying, where's your God? Put up or shut up. Where's your God? Produce something. Produce something. Produce something. Produce something. My daddy pastored a church up in Warren, Ohio. Church of God back in the early 50s, right about the time I was born. They used to have a general store down there. My daddy would go over every morning and talk to them people about the Lord. They had Church of Christ preacher over. Man, you're talking about locking horns. <laughs> now, they locked horns. Because Church of Christ don't believe in miracles. They'll tell you the miracles stopped with the apostles. Well, Lord told me I was an apostle. And I ain't seen the miracles stop. But that man got so mad at my daddy, he got on radio and preached against him. Saying, ain't nothing there to, there that preacher out there at that church of God keeps telling us God's working miracles. Said every week he'll come in that general store where we're at drinking coffee. He'll tell us the miracles God worked over the weekend. Said, ain't nothing to that. Just so happened his wife was blind. Somebody slipped off and led his wife to that church one weekend. My daddy laid hands on her and God opened her eyes. You talking about standing in the church of Christ on its ear. When that pastor's wife come in there that Sunday seeing 
Whoa! <laughs> still wouldn't admit there was miracles. Whole life got healed and God gave. Still wouldn't come out of that dead doctrine. You know why they bound? People are bound with indoctrination. They bound with the doctrines of men. They run around here hollering, I got what I got on the day of Pentecost and ain't got the anointing to heal a sick chigger. Ain't got the anointing to do nothing. I ain't never heard so many people boast so much and produce so little. Brother Elder, I could go out there and dig me a hole and stand in the yard and throw my hands out and say, I'm an apple tree. I'm an apple tree. I'm an apple tree. I'm an apple tree. But I guarantee you I ain't going to put on no apples. Are you hearing me? Because I'm not equipped that way. I don't have that sight to rise up in me. My God, we need something to rise up in us. He said the field is wasted. The harvest is withered. Ain't nothing happening. And then we want to get in church and go through a bunch of form, a bunch of shouting, a bunch of singing, a bunch of dead letter preaching and wondering why God ain't doing it. Whoo! Man, this spirit's strong. <laughs> Thought I got a little slug of new wine there for a second. The vine is dried up. The fig tree languishes. Fig tree's type of the ministry with the working gifts. Ain't nothing in the ministry no more to amount to anything. What they do use is soothsaying, divination, and witchcraft. I'm telling you, these preachers out here, y'all think are called of God, and they may have started out right. So in fact, there's a lot of preachers right now. You've been around them. They are working by soothsaying, divination spirits, and witchcraft because they don't have the dedication and relationship with God for the gifts and the anointing to work. He said right here, the vine, the, the fig tree, languishes. It's just sitting there, nothing happening. Does the word languish not mean it's just sitting there empty? Just sitting there, nothing happening? When I was on the road and God spoke this to me the next morning, the Lord spoke the word to me, lethargy. I said, really? Lifeless. No energy. Nothing happening. Lethargic. Man, God needs to come down with a shot needle about this big and about this big round full of Holy Ghost B12 <laughs> and inject our spiritually lazy selves. Because people are spiritually lazy. They're lazy. They got it. They don't need to pray. They don't need to hear the word. What are they? Spiritual dysfunctional. Spiritually dysfunctional. I know when God talks to me. People may not like it, but I know when God talks to me. Hallelujah. The vine is dried up and the fig tree languishes. The pomegranate tree, the palm tree, and the apple tree, and all the trees of the field are withered because joy is withered away. From the son, show me uh, from the sons of men. Show me somebody that's got joy about their salvation much anymore. You might find one out of a thousand. I'm gonna tell you this old spirit. I I told my wife. I said I ain't never seen this. The Lord told me this was a religious spirit on the people making spiritual dysfunctional. And I got to meditating on it. Did you know most people you find around Pentecostal church are discouraged? They're in despair. They're in anxiety. They're in fear. There ain't no excitement. There ain't no passion for serving God. There ain't no urgency to pray. Ain't no unction to pray. Ain't no unction to try to help nobody. We got it. You got it all right. You're bound with a religious demon. And the Spirit of God moves. They're going to fall right back into form. 
talking tongue, shout, prophesy. If they prophesied, you ain't going to get them moving nothing new. You ain't going to get them moving nothing new. Don't get me in a service with you and the Spirit of God be moving on you and come hand me the microphone and say, here, Brother Metter, take it because you don't know what to do. I've had them do it to me. I've had the Spirit of God fall on people and they didn't know what to do because it was out of their form. God was moving a different way. And they said, here, Brother Metter, you take it. Nah. Nah. Because I'll take the mic and testify about 15 words and I'll say, here, <laughs> I'll give it back to you. Don't get praying for somebody and them have a spirit or have a demon and you start wrestling with it and then we'll turn around and give me the mic. I don't believe in wrestling with demons. I believe you got the power over them or you don't. If you ain't, leave them alone. Because I'm not going to wrestle with the demon. I'm going to speak to it in the name of Jesus and it's going to go. And if I ain't got the power to tell it to go, I ain't saying nothing. All this stuff of wrestling these demons two and three and four hours, that stuff come in in the healing revival. In the 40s and 50s. There's men out there that had power, but then some of them got put on show. Some of them got put on a show, and I don't agree with it. Matter of fact, there's one preacher I had a lot of confidence in. I went to a lot of his meetings, and I used to watch his uh, videos. And I loved to see him speak and grow a leg like that, or have miracles. And after God got talking to me and revealing this word in me, I was watching him uh, on a YouTube video, and there was a woman there had a short leg about like that, and he just kept talking and, and, and doing this and doing that. I said, man, you going to pray for her? You're going to talk her to death. Just speak the word. How many of y'all remember when I told y'all Jesus gave me that dream? That I was somewhere preaching and somebody demon possessed come in and the Spirit of God was on me and I started stepping and lay hands on them. And the Lord said, don't. Just out of habit, says Susie, three or four times I went on preaching that, that Spirit was there. I could feel it agitating me. Boy, you want to stir up a fight, agitate the Holy Ghost in me. <laughs> and two or three times I started to lay hands on them every time the Lord checked me. He said, don't you make contact with that man. He said, because you do, that opens an avenue for that spirit to attack you. He said, I laid hands on the sick, but I cast out the spirits with my word. He said, you don't give a demon spirit that's got power the opportunity to attach itself to you. But when the Lord told me that, I stepped back about 10 feet and I looked at that man. I cursed that thing in and told him, get to hell and get gone quick. And that thing come out of him. Why? We get in habit of doing things. We get in habit of doing things. People say, well, that's where their faith is, isn't laying on of hands. Good, let somebody else lay hands on you. I'm going to do what Jesus done. The Bible said he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that was sick. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the eye of the prophet Isaiah, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses on his own shoulders. And it starts out, if you want to read it, it's Matthew 8, 16. And when even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. Was where we fixing to go. We fixing to possess this son of man. That wasn't the son of God. That was the son of man. Y'all hear me? We fixing to possess this thing. Are y'all following with me? I'm not trying to be long preaching. I'm trying to get this point across. Verse 14. 
Sanctify ye a fast, call them a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord God and cry unto the Lord. Brother, sister, elder, brother Justin, if I call and sanctify fast, he said, gather the elders, so y'all obligated to come. <laughs> they ain't got no choice. I got the word. It says, gather the elders and the congregation. So y'all all obligated. But see, this is what people don't want to do. They don't want to get in the house of God and cry unto the Lord. They don't want to get in the house of God and seek God. That's what God told us. We'd get in here and seek God. He said the Spirit of God would begin to go out of this church for four or five miles and start convicting, start growing, start healing, start delivering, start saving. And there'd be people, I saw I saw a car ride down the road, got right in front of the church, and it come almost to a stop, and somebody pointed out the window and said, that God in there is real. Them people's God's real. That God they serve is real. Word's fixing to get out. Our God's real. Why? We're fixing to step in into a new beginning. We're fixing to step into the first month. We're fixing to step in the visitation of the Holy Ghost. Why? The pommel worms eat it up. The canker worms eat it up. The caterpillars eat it up. The locusts have been eat it up. And we've been left with nothing. Am I making sense to anybody? So come up and pat me on the back day and tell me this is a good message. I like to lay hands on you. If it's a good message, you do something with it. This ain't a message. This is the word of the Lord to God's people at this time. I remember back in 2009, after 28 days of fasting, the word of the Lord come to me. And people have took this scripture and wore it out. It don't mean nothing to them anymore. He said, if my people, which are called by my name, you was in the meeting with me, in the youth meeting, just, I was skin and bone, 28 days into a fast. And the Lord spoke to me that morning under the, youth pavilion at our church and my people which and I thought the Lord was going to have me prophesy but he didn't he held me back and the Lord spoke to me I went on down Sister Angela Abraham's church in July and as on my knees praying I want y'all to listen what I'm fixing to tell you as on my knees praying says Susie in her church and the Lord spoke to me said this is the word of the Lord to the nations and the Lord said, you print this in a magazine and you send it out. And buddy, when preachers read that, they got mad at me. And they set me up to try to destroy me because what I said. I called Sister Daniels. I said, Sister Daniels, God just scared me to death. She said, what? I said, God told me on my knees when I was in prayer a while ago, this is the word of the Lord to the nations. I said, I know what God told me. I know what I heard. But he scared me. He scared me. That made preachers mad. Made them mad. Who do you think he is? Send us the word of the Lord to the nation. I ain't nobody, but I know what I heard. Know what I heard. And I'm going to tell you what God tells me. Always have, always will. I don't care how it sits you. Amen. Can't help how it sits you. Whoo. <laughs> All the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and crying to the Lord. Now listen, alas, for the day of the Lord is at hand and has a destruction from the, all, from, from the Almighty. So shall it come. You remember I told y'all great visitation and judgment is going to be hand in hand. The judgment, uh, the day of the Lord, which is the time. It ain't one day. It's a period of time God starts judging the earth for her sins.
That's the day of the Lord. Read about the day of the Lord. It's a day, Joel said it's a day of gloominess, a day of cloudness, a day of thick darkness spread over the mountain. It's a day where the trumpet's blown in Zion, the, the alarm is sounded in this holy mountain, blow your trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain, let the inhabitants of the land fear. This fixed foot fear in people's hearts. I'm telling you there's such judgment fixing to hit this earth, people will start saying, and I said this years ago, they're going to start saying, y'all remember when the big tsunami hit India back in 2404 and all over and all them islands killed about 300,000 people? Three weeks before that happened, I prophesied it at the church. Just Shirley Kilpatrick was there. I gave her the video. We was doing video at that time. 2004, right like, like the end of November. Somewhere in there, the first part of December. And the Lord spoke to me and I started prophesying and I was shaking. I wasn't even in the platform. I think I was sitting back at my seat. I said, earthquakes in the ocean. Earthquakes in the ocean. Tidal waves. Tidal waves like you ain't never seen. Earthquakes in the ocean and tidal waves. Great destruction. Something like that. In about three weeks, that thing hit in the bottom of the ocean. Triggered them tidal waves. And hit all them islands in there and then went all the way to India. And hit the east coast of India and killed, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands. But there was about 250,000, 300,000 total. Are y'all hearing me? The Lord showed me that. You ain't seen the destruction. You ain't seen the earthquakes. You ain't seen the tidal waves. You ain't seen the hurricanes. I saw hurricanes go to a category 10. Over 300 mile an hour. Sustained winds. Not gusts. Sustained winds. I saw them go 200 plus miles inland. With floods and hurricane force winds. And the Lord spoke to me in 1998. And said the seven trumpets in Revelation. They ain't angels. They ain't literal trumpets. He said they're messengers of God and he said they're anointings. And he said every anointing and message that comes out, he said the judgment will start. The next one, it'll get a little bit more severe. The next one, it'll get a little more severe. He said, time I get to that seventh trumpet, he said, I'll be judging without mercy. It's time to get out of business with God, church. It's time, it's time to get ready. God wants to take us somewhere. God wants to take us somewhere. Are y'all with me? Verse 16. Is not the meat offering cut off from before your eyes? Or our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. The seed is rotten under the clods. The garners are laid desolate. The barns are broken down. For the corn is withered. How do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, and the flocks of sheep are made destitute. Now, verse 25 of chapter 2. <laughs> Y'all there with me? And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and my palm worm. My great army, which I sent among said everything's been stripped away from you. I'm going to start restoring it. Hallelujah. When? New beginning, first month. In the first month, I'm going to cause to come down for you the rain, 
the former rain, which is what he poured out on Pentecost, which is going to bring in the ministry of the Son of Man. He said, and then I'm going to pour out the latter rain in that same period of time, which is the resurrected power of Christ, the full that's going to bring forth the sons of God. He said, right there in that first month when I bring you into this new beginning. It ain't the first month of April. It's the symbol of a new generation, a new season, a new dispensation. Yes. If this ain't a revelation. Yes. And he said, in that season right there, he said, I'm going to give you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain. He went on down and said, I'm going to restore to you the years. Everything's been taken away from him. Everything from the day of Pentecost right on down. He said, it's, it's eat everything up. Till you went into doctrines and traditions. The church has died. There's been no deliverance. She now ain't nothing but after flesh, preaching the gospel of material things and prosperity. It's enough to make you sick. People go to church sick, they go home sick. They go to church bound, they go home bound. They go to church depressed, they go home depressed. I'm tired of it. But I know what I heard. A new beginning. He said, now I'll start restoring. He said, everything's been eaten up. I'll start restoring. Are y'all hearing me? Are you hearing me? Now, look here. Stay with me. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that had dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. We're the Israel of God. Do y'all not know that there is an Israel of God and not just a natural nation Israel? We're the Israel. We're the chosen seed of God. We're the Israel of God. Amen? And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people should never be ashamed. Right now, God's people are ashamed. You can talk all you want to about how good God is, how great He is, what kind of miracles He'll do, how He'll move and deliver people's lives and... Don't much happen. Amen, oh me. Can't say amen, say oh me. Now, he said, and my people should never be ashamed. Look at verse 28. Been preached and preached and preached and preached, but it's been preached out of context. Y'all hear me? It's been preached out of context. What's them first few words right there in Joel two twenty eight say? And it shall come to pass afterward. After what? After I have restored to you this former rain. After I have restored to you the fivefold ministry. I have to have restored to you the governing body of the church after I have restored to you and set things back in my order and made a preparation it shall come to pass afterwards saith God then I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh now I know they wrote in Acts that this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel but it wasn't the fulfilling of it when God said he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh it ain't just going to be on the church. It's going to be everywhere. He said, I'll pour my spirit out on all flesh. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? 
He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants, upon the headmaids in those days, will I pour out of my spirit. And I shall show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. We hadn't seen that. It didn't happen in Peter's day. It didn't happen in our day. And when he said he's going to do it before the great and terrible day of the Lord come, he's going to do it before the fulfilling. He's going to do it before the end of the day of the Lord is finished. Because the Lord's going to be a period of time. Through all this time of persecution, tribulations and sufferings, we're going to be molded and made and we're going to be coming in. How do you think you're going to bind Satan? That angel ascended down out of heaven in Revelation 20, having a chain and a key that was to bind Satan for a thousand years. Wasn't no literal chain. And keys was the keys of the kingdom. That chain was that word of God that would bind the devil because he that lives in you created him. And he's totally conquered him. He had them keys of hell and death, them keys of the kingdom. He fixing to lock Satan up with his own keys. He's lock him up with his own keys. Don't y'all love it? Yes. See, I know what I heard. God said a new beginning. He said a new beginning. A new beginning. And he said it'll come to pass afterward, after I get everything set back in order. See, we've got to have the five-fold ministry. That's the reason God told us in January, start praying for the five-fold ministry to come. Start praying for government. Because until we get government in the body of Christ, churches and preachers are going to keep doing just what they're doing. Got to have something set it in order. Amen. Got to have something give people a vision. Do you know most people don't have a vision? They don't have a desire to do anything for God. They don't have anything to work toward. They just go in church. Just want to feel good. Just want to shout, talk in tongues, sing a good song, hear good preaching. Go out and go right back into carnality. Don't want to live like that. Ain't going to live like that. Ain't going to. There's too much out there to possess. Too much out there to lay hold on. Because I'm going to tell you something. My Jesus has abolished death. And he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And I'm going to possess it. Amen. I hope this word was a blessing to you. I really do. I hope it was a great blessing to you because this put something in my spirit. I know because right when that thing hit me, just like that, I saw a book of Acts move of God. And I saw people starting to get saved. What the Bible says in Acts 2, I think the last verse of Acts 2 says, and, and they found great favor with the people. And such as should be saved was added to the church daily. Amen. There's people out there ordained to eternal life. There's people out there God is fixing to save. Some of the prayers people's prayed 15, 20, and 30 years for their kids fixing to be answered. Y'all hear me? They fixing to be answered. Spirit of God just fixing to get a hold of them. Spirit of God just fixing to get a hold of them. That brother called me from Mississippi the other day. He was telling me about this halfway house down there in Tupelo. He said, this man... Uh, his dad owned a construction company. Said he got hooked on drugs and went through six t 
14 rehab houses. Nothing happened. He'd come right back out and get hooked. Go back out in a rehab house, come right back out and get hooked. 16 probably plus years. And he said, then one day, he said, Spirit of God sat down on him, delivered him. Spirit of God just hit him, delivered him. He said he gave his life to the Lord, got his life straightened out. And I think then he either went to work for his dad or took over the company. And he started a halfway house over in Tupelo. And he goes, gets these people that's bound on drugs. And he prays them through to salvation. And they tell him they won't live right. He'll bring them and let them live in that house. Works with them a few weeks. Feels like they're ready. He'll take them out and put them to work in a construction company. He'll take 25% of their pay, pay for their room and board, take another 25%, put it back. And he'll work with them four, five, six more weeks. They get ready, feel like to go out on the street, and then they got that 25% he 